High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Tonight, we're really blessed. You've already got to hear... um, uh, well, both of them, both Pastor Micah and Pastor Chelsea, uh, a little over, is it two years ago, three years th- three years ago, we launched High Praise Crestview. It was in September. We actually launched it, September of 2020, three years ago. And so they just celebrated their three-year anniversary, and the Lord has really, really blessed them tremendously. They really, they had, there was about 25 people maybe that were left over there from the church. It was there previously, David Reddick's church. I think uh, there might be maybe 10 or 12 of them left uh, now, uh, and they ran the other ones off. But God, <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke, folks, okay? I'm just, I'm just kidding. But it, actually, the Lord's brought, uh, to, yeah, Petunchi. But anyway, the the Lord's brought uh, fresh people into the church, and now, right now, they have about 250. They're doing two services. They just had 200 this past week in attendance, actually there. God is blessing them. The church is growing. They're having a major effect uh, on the uh, area of Crestview. And so uh, there's so much more that I could say because there's so many wonderful traits about, obviously, you know that Micah, he's our youngest son, and uh, he also, uh, yeah, our youngest son. Did I not? Okay. <laughs> our youngest son, he has a twin. He has a twin. Uh, called uh, Reagan, and uh, if you haven't seen Reagan, if you if you ever see Reagan, that's his youngest son, their youngest son. He, you've seen Micah when he was little because they were absolutely identical. But three wonderful sons. Levi's right here. Stand up and wave at everybody, Levi. This is yeah. You got to teach him how to wave. Okay, I don't. What is that? That looks like a fish's tail. Anyway, but anyway, so, uh, uh, but there's him and Gideon and then Reagan, and they are mighty men of God. I tell you what, they love the Lord. They worship the Lord. Reagan plays his guitar every Sunday morning. He has a guitar. He gets on the platform, and he worships the Lord with his guitar every Sunday morning. And when it's time to lift their hands, he was doing some moves down here. I don't know who taught him this move like this. I don't know what in the world that was tonight. He was doing this thing here during worship, but nonetheless, can we just give a big high praise? Welcome to Pastor Pastor Micah. What is up, high praise? Can y'all give Jesus one big hand clap real quick? Come on. It's good to see you all this evening. It's good to be here as Pastor Robert, Dad. I'm not going to call him Pastor Robert, just so you know. If if I allude to him this evening, it will be Dad, because if I don't, I will get in trouble later. So I'm going to do what is right. Uh, When Pastor Robert said that Reagan looks just like me, I huh? I just did it. See, when Dad said Reagan looks just like me, I said, if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. And that's the way it is with Reagan. If you've seen him, you've seen me. We look the exact same. Uh, but it's, we're, we're honored to be here tonight. It's a good time. 
Um, as Dad said a few minutes ago, the church is booming in Crestview. God's doing incredible things. Um, and, you know, we're just praying and believing God for greater facility space and uh, for space to meet the needs of our community because that's really our goal. What we want to be is a place that can give life and edification to our full community. That's what the prophetic is. And I believe that's what is different about high praise in general is we have the prophetic that it flows in a, and manifests in a great way. And that brings life and edification. And I believe that when Whenever there's people of God that step into a city and begin to prophesy to a city, life begins to take place and happen. Let me just say real quickly uh, something about just the city of Crestview, and I've made jokes about this prior and before, but we're actually seeing economic growth in Crestview and actually seeing new businesses come to Crestview. Praise God, we're about to get a Texas Roadhouse. Bless the Lord. Uh, <laughs> we just got a Chili's. We're getting a Chipotle. We just got a Marshall's. I think my whole outfit came from Marshall's tonight. And, 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 so, and so we're seeing God move, but I made a joke before when we, one of our first services at High Praise Crestview, I made this joke and I said, and it was whenever we were in that transitionary move in that time and Panama City had just gotten a Burlington Coat Factory. Now for some of you, Burlington Coat Factory means nothing. For me, my parents know this because we used to drive two hours to go to Tallahassee or Dothan on Mondays on our day offs just to go to the Burlington Coat Factory because we like shopping there. Good deals, right? And so whenever we finally got one here, I was bummed. I was like, I'm finally going to have to move. And we just got a Burlington, like 15 minutes from my house. Are you kidding me? So one of the first services in Crestview, I said, Pastor Chelsea is my witness. I said, in the name of Jesus, we will have a Burlington Coat Factory. Well, about three months ago, huh? And won't he do it? We're still believing for Target. But three months ago, Burlington Coat Factory actually opened in Crestview. So I'm telling you, something happens whenever you get to prophesy to your city. Amen. But we're honored to be here tonight. Can we one more time just give honor to the leadership of this house? Mom and dad, Pastor Joshua Moran, a brother and sister-in-law, all the leaders, the youth leaders. Man, God's doing incredible things to see the growth that's taking place and seeing God do awesome things here just makes me excited. It makes me jam up excited to see what God's doing here. And I know that he's going to continue to do more things because the best is still yet to come. Amen. Is that right? High praise. The best is still yet to come. Will you open up your Bibles real quickly uh, tonight? We are going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, we're going to start in verse 4 here in just a few moments. But I wanted to share something that God placed on my heart recently. And if you want a title for your message this evening, it's going to be Defeating Giants. Look at somebody say, Defeating Giants. Now, I want to give you a subtitle because I like a lot of titles and I like for you to remember the message. And so if you want a subtitle for the message, I want you to look at somebody else and tell them, you better recognize. Look at somebody else and say, you better recognize. Because we want to talk tonight about recognizing our giants, recognizing the giants within our life. Because I believe that oftentimes, if we're real honest, we actually misrecognize what our giants are. And I'm going to talk some about that tonight and about recognizing properly what the giants in your life are. But first, before I do that, I want to give you a really quick story. And it's a personal testimony. And some people in this room um, were with me throughout this testimony. But in 2012, Pastor Chelsea and I, we got married, um, and we moved into our home. Actually, I had moved in prior, just me, living there by myself without her until after we were married. Lived there for, I think, about two weeks. And then uh, after we got married, obviously, we moved in together because that's what you do. And, uh, and so we were sleeping in the house about three months after we were married. Uh, and somebody in the middle of the night, about 3.30 in the morning, 
pop, 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 starts banging on the door. And in that moment, can I tell you that I, you would, you would say you jumped up out of your bed immediately, right? No, that's not what happened. I slept. <laughs> I was like Jesus on the boat and I was still asleep. But, but Chelsea woke me up and says, Michael, 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 wake up. Somebody's trying to break in the house. And I was like, okay. What do I do? Because growing up, we never had anything like that take place. Maybe you in this room, you've had someone attempt something like that in your home or, or somewhere that you've been before, but we had never, I had never experienced that growing up. So immediately I jumped up out of bed. I told Pastor Chelsea, I said, babe, get in the closet, lock the door. I'm going to see what's going on. I didn't have a gun. I didn't have a, a, a bat. The only thing I had was these two fists and they weren't going to do much because, I, you know, I don't work out. And so... I, I open in our house, you could open up the, the, the door to, from, our, from our room and see down the hallway to the front door. And sure enough, there's somebody banging on the door. And I'm going, oh, Lord. And there's side lights, and they're banging on the glass side lights, trying to break the side lights. And I remember beginning to pray in tongues immediately. And I ran back, uh, knocked on the closet door so Chelsea let me in. <laughs> In retrospect, I probably should have had like a code knock, like dun 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 or something like that. So she knew it was me, but we didn't have that game plan in place. So we were just going for it. So she lets me in, lock it back. We get into this little nook in, in the closet. We're hiding there. I can remember praying in the spirit. We're still hearing bam, 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 bam. And we're praying in the spirit. And I'm going back and forth between two things. I'm going, I will never sleep in this house again. I will never sleep in, I will never sleep in this house again. I will never sleep in this house again. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm praying, but I'm also making negative confessions at the same time. And I can remember uh, eventually the knocking just stopped. The person fled and uh, we were untouched, unscathed. Nothing happened. Uh, we had talked to the police officers. It took 20 minutes to get to our house because we lived out in the sticks a little bit. If anybody knows uh, where uh, uh, Highway 2297 is, all the way up there, toward, going towards the shipyard and stuff, we lived up that way. And, uh, and, and so it took them a little bit to get out there. So we talked to the police officer, you know, Fear gripped me in that moment. If, you, if you've ever been gripped by such anxiety and fear to where it can be 90 degrees, but you're still shivering. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was like that. I'm shivering, cold, like I'm cold. Can't, and I'm just, I keep looking at Chelsea. I'm even telling the police officer, I'll never sleep in this house again. I'll never sleep in this house again. And in that moment, what happened is fear gripped my life. Fear gripped my life badly. I mean, it was real bad. Pastor Paul can attest to this because they were walking us through, Pastor Paul and Pastor Eva were walking us through counseling after it and praying with us and helping us. And for about nine months, now for people that are just married, you want to sleep in your bed at your home, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I won't repeat what Paul said. <laughs> for nine months, we left the house every night. I could not sleep in my own bed or in my own house in peace because fear gripped me. I was still coming to church. I was still praying, still reading the word, still doing the things I needed to do that were right, seeking counsel, all these different things. But fear had a stranglehold on me. And eventually one night, Pastor Chelsea said, that's it. Because listen, it, it caused stress in our marriage. It caused, caused sleepless nights for me to where I was having like insomnia and things of the, that nature. And so there was consequences outside of the fear that I was facing. And that's gonna make sense here in just a moment. Just stay with me, okay? 
So I remember one night, Pastor Chelsea looked at me and she said, Michael, we are not leaving this house. And you better believe I was like, yes, we are. <laughs> I am not sleeping here again. I don't feel good about this. I feel like something's gonna happen. Something's gonna take place. Something bad's gonna happen. And I keep saying these things. She said, we are not leaving. I, that's fine, you can leave, but I'm not leaving the house. And I said, okay, well, I'm not leaving you here by yourself. <laughs> so, and a lot of things happened in that nine months. And so we decided to face it that night. That night, I would battle the biggest battle with fear I've ever battled in my entire life to the point of that it was about midnight and we were, I was facing the fear. We were staying there and Chelsea and I, we decided we were going to pray and I could not utter a single word. I mean, not one word, speechless. It was like, like Little Mermaid, you know, when Ursula takes Ariel's voice, and the voice was gone, okay? I could not speak, couldn't pray. And so immediately, Pastor Chelsea begins to call uh, mom and dad and say, hey, this is going on. We don't know what, to, what do we do? And mom and dad said, okay, we're coming over right now. We're gonna pray. And they, were, they did, they got in the car and began to drive over. As soon as she hung up with them, she called Pastor Paul and Eva. And um, I'm thankful for them that they were there and their family to us and you need people like that in your life, then they said, you know what, we're gonna pray. And I can remember Pastor Paul and Pastor Eva praying for us, praying for me. And I remember Pastor Eva saying this, just say Jesus. If you can't say anything else, Micah, we need you to just say the name of Jesus. Just say Jesus, just say Jesus, just say Jesus. And I remember trying everything within me to utter up the word Jesus, which seems very simple. But whenever this battle was going on in this moment, it was very much a struggle and I was having difficulty saying the name of Jesus. And all at once, sure enough, like bubbling up, just Jesus came out. And I remember in the moment, it was like fear was broken and I've not battled or struggled with fear like that ever again so far in my life. I have cut off ties with fear and I live in a victorious life. You know what, my sleep is sweet now and God has set me free from the spirit of fear, amen? Now, I give you that testimony, okay, as this right here. Number one, I want it to be hope and encouragement for you that whatever you're facing, whatever the giant and the battle is that you're facing in your life, that you can overcome. But listen, it doesn't always happen like that. Now, I'm not saying there aren't moments and times where God providentially, supernaturally does something in a moment. We saw that with Willie, but Willie's been, Willie's been with that with, for three years, been believing for, believing, I'm sure Willie prayed about it a couple times. I'm sure Willie has thought numerous times, I'm sure they've, they, they've asked Lord, please Lord, restore communication, but all at once in one moment, something took place. I do believe it happens in a moment, but sometimes it takes time leading up to the moment before you see that breakthrough, okay? But we've got to recognize what our giants are in order to overcome them. And that was what I was in. I was in that, in that midst of, I had to recognize what exactly the problem was. Now, are you, are you in that scripture? 1 Samuel 17, 410. Let's read this. It says, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat uh, of scale of armor, a bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point 
weighed 600 shekels. In other words, all of his stuff was very large because he was a very large person. And he had to have a shield bearer that went ahead of him. Verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out in line and uh, up for a battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Which this is so interesting. This isn't in my notes. But what's interesting here is we have to be careful not to misrecognize our giants. But listen, you need to notice whenever your giants misrecognize you. Huh? Because Goliath misrecognizes who the children of Israel actually are. The children of Israel are not just servants of Saul. They are God's people. And so there's a misrecognition that Goliath even does in this moment. And listen, it's like a weak spot in the armor of Goliath in this moment because he misrecognizes the authority and the power in which they could actually walk in if they wanted to. Now, let's keep going. That's just a side note. Choose a man and have him come down to me. Verse 9, if he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Verse 10, then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Stop right there. You know, I think we've read this story of David and Goliath numerous times, and you get empowered whenever you read the fullness of this story. And it is a powerful story that encourages you. But this is a story of David, a young shepherd boy that encounters a huge problem named Goliath, everything, every single thing in the natural says that David should lose this fight, right? Everything in the natural looks like odds will end up being stacked against David. And I think of many of us in our own life, we run into giants often and we feel like the odds are stacked up against us. And giants come in different shapes and sizes. Not all giants look the same. Your giant is probably unique to something that you're facing and something that you're going through. And we have unique giants in our life because of things that we have went through in our life. All of us have went through different things, different, understand why I say this, different trauma and different things that have taken place, things that didn't line up the way you thought they would happen and things like that. And they, it's often opportunity these are the the, the the opportunities that the enemy uses as a tactic as a foothold into your life to erect Goliaths within your life okay but let me encourage you with this you do not have to see the rest of your life forever filtered through what you've been through if you believe that you have to see the rest of your life filtered through what you went through, you, won't, you are actually limiting the power of God in your own life. You really don't believe in deliverance. You really don't believe that he can set the captives free. And you really believe that the finished work of the cross was worthless. Because he came to set the captives free. So you don't have to look at the rest of your life through the lens of what took place 10, 15 years ago, five years ago, six months ago, there is freedom and there is deliverance. There is authority and there is victory over those areas. Just because you were a victim once doesn't mean you have to be a victim for the rest of your life in that area. Stop just viewing yourself as a victim time and time again because one thing took place. Stop viewing yourself as a victim because two things took place. Stop viewing yourself as a victim because three things took place. Because God can turn everything around for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He will help you overcome. You have to understand the authority and the power of the word, though. He is a God who saves, who heals, and he delivers. That's what we believe. He's a God who saves, who heals, and he delivers. Amen. Hmm. So, 
These giants, though, they, also do, they often show up uninvited. Giants of fear don't go, hey, knock, knock. When are you going to let me in? <laughs> Coming over for a sleepover? Doubt's back. Hey, I'm back. No, they find ways, like I said, through different things that happen in your life to create footholds. And listen to me. You might write this down. This is in my notes. But footholds will cre create strongholds. If you allow footholds, the enemy takes a foothold and creates a stronghold. And it's a lot easier to stomp a foot <laughs> and slam the door when he pulls away than it is to let him build the stronghold up and then you have to work to tear it down. Do not give the enemy a foothold. Now, I want to give you another scripture real quickly in Numbers chapter 13. I want to look at another story here to uh, uh, cross-reference here about giants for a second. Numbers chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 26. Before we read, let me just say this real quickly. This story we're about to switch to here for a moment <clears throat> to give us some cross-reference about giants is this. What you're seeing here is the children of Israel advancing under the, the leadership of Moses. And they're about to go and take Canaan. They're, they're on their way to, to take Canaan and the promised land. And so they get close and Moses says, hey, we need to spy out the land. So he sends in some spies, right? Joshua and Caleb are part of this. And they go in and they spy out the land with them. And this is where we're going to pick up. Verse 26 says this. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Stop right there just for a moment, okay? Many of us know what the next part of this story is, and we're going to read the rest of it, but I want you to think about this for a second. These spies, these men went into the promised land. Do you realize this? They actually stepped foot there. And the reason we know this is because they said, hey, it does flow with milk and honey. And not only that, look, I'm bringing back a piece of the fruit that is in the land. How did they get the fruit? Well, they had to get close enough in order to get it into where they were going. Where am I getting at here? They already had a piece of the peace that God had for them. They already had a piece of the peace or the promise that God had for them. And they bring it back. And, and, and I, I look at that and I read this and I, and, and I get kind of confused at times. So I'm like, you know, when we read them, we look at people and we're like, man, why didn't they just go, yeah, dude, I brought back a piece of the peace. I got the fruit of the land. We definitely can go take it. I took this piece, wasn't taking the whole land now. And I think about myself and I go, man, I can remember being in that time and God delivered me. God set me free in the way of the, the man, the person I was trying to break in, guess what? They didn't get in. Nothing happened. Nothing took place. God protected me. God kept me safe. God gave me a piece of my peace, but I still, unfortunately, ended up like the other spies. Hmm. Though I had a piece of my peace, this is what I came back and I said, but the people who live there are powerful 
and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in there. And it goes on to talk about how the different ites of Canaan live around there. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we certainly can do it. Man, you need a Caleb in your life to tell you sometimes, stop it, you can go and take the land. You already have a piece of the land. You already have a piece of the promise. God's already said it. God's already spoke it to you. God already prophesied it to you. Your kids are doing better. Your marriage is doing better. This is, you just got a promotion. You just got this and you just got that. And God's been working in little ways here in your life. Stop being so negative and just go forth and take the land. And that's what Caleb does here. But unfortunately, 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 the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And then from there, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. And at the end of that scripture, it says, we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We seem like grasshoppers. We seem so small and we looked the same to them. Here there are giants once again, but maybe the obstacle looks a little bit different than what David was facing. And almost every time I think in our own lives, when we really look and examine our lives, there's giants left and right that we can see taking place. And then you can see giants within our, <clears throat> within our world today too, within our nation. But let me just say this, before we can be, begin to deal with the, with the giants within our nation, people, we have to deal, Christians, we have to deal with the giants within our own lives. You have to slay your own giants before you try to slay the giants of the nations. You gotta deal with the things that you're addicted to and the things that you're battling and the things you're trying to overcome before you can try to go help your brother overcome. This giant was almost 10 feet tall with David. David, a wee little lad, but very handsome. For some reason, it would really trigger Goliath when you read later in the scriptures, like, why are you so handsome? And, uh, but, but David, it didn't look good for him. So he's going up against this Goliath. We can jump back to this story if we can. And what Goliath did when we read this first text about everything he was saying, he's saying, I could destroy you. I could beat anybody, so on and so forth. Send me out a man. Guess what? I'll beat him. I don't care. I don't care who it is. He's like the original Thanos. Like, you know, he just, just devour whole cities. That was the viewpoint that Goliath had of himself as he could, he could defeat a whole people with just like one javelin done, you know. But this is what Goliath was doing because listen, a problem always is bigger when you let that problem convince you of how bad it is. When you let your problem bully you, it always gets bigger. Cut the bully down. Beat the bully up. Now, kids, don't do that in school, okay? you probably get expelled or something. But listen, listen, spiritually, beat the bully up. 40 days, 40 nights, Goliath stands up there and defies the armies of the living God. And tells the Israelites what a piece of junk they are and how they're just servants of Saul and all this stuff. He's just taunting them. He let the people of Israel know that he is Goliath. And if you don't know about him, you better ask somebody. You'll find out real quickly. Now, what I want to give you real quickly is this. I'll give you the goals of your Goliath. Because 2 Corinthians 2 tells us this, to not be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. The worst thing that you can be whenever you're facing your Goliath is ignorant. Because ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance gets you killed. <laughs> 
When you're talking about battle, when you're talking about fighting and spiritual hosts of wickedness and tearing down strongholds, you can't just be ignorant of those things. You got to know what the enemy's doing, okay? And you got to know that you're armed and dangerous. There's an old song, remind me of an old song we used to do way back. I think we only did like a few times back in Kevin Smoke era. Anybody here in the Kevin Smoke era? Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> One of our first worship leaders back here before, after dad, Kevin Smoke, he had a song called Armed and Dangerous. And you need to know that you're armed and dangerous, okay, that you can overcome. But number one is this, the thing that Goliath wants to do, the goal of your Goliath, number one is this, Goliath wants to defeat you before you even battle. Goliath wants to defeat you before you can even battle. The Israelite army was defeated before the battle was even fought. And a lot of times we do the same thing. We let our giants push us around, talk a lot, we let them speak. We let them whoop us before the battle even starts. And a lot of us have allowed our giants to intimidate us to the point that we give up. And listen to me, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Continue to fight for your freedom. Continue to fight for your deliverance. Continue to fight for your freedom. Because oftentimes what happens is we let the Goliaths in our life, maybe alcoholism, addiction, marriage problems, these things scream and yell at us for so long. But I want you to listen to me, and I'm a little bit ahead of myself. But whenever the enemy is speaking, you need to realize that it's nothing but lies. And you don't have to believe it and come into agreement with it. You have a choice in that moment, what you do. Actually, I was studying this this week. Um, there is a rule in psychology that for every negative comment someone makes about you, you need to replace it with five positive things, five praises. Can I tell you that whenever the enemy lies in your ear, find five scriptures that counterbalance what he's speaking over your life and remember those, reflect on them. Save it as your phone, your wallpaper on your phone. Put it in your notes, put it on your fridge, do what you need to do, but replace it. That is... That is what renewing your mind to the word of God is. It is taking out the, the lies of the enemy and replacing it with truth. And the way you're gonna replace it with truth is by proper truth, repetitive truth. Faith comes by and by the word of God, right? So that means faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and Hearing by the word of God. You got to hear the same thing over and over again and over and over again and over and over again and over and over again so that you know that it is true. You know it in your bones. You know what I'm talking about? You have his word shut up like a fire within your bones. You know that this is the truth and anything that the enemy tries to speak over you, you can immediately refute with the truth. You need to realize, though, that greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. Y'all still with me? Y'all still with me? The spies that Moses sent in were defeated as soon as they saw the giants in the land. They just saw them like, oh, nope, I'm out. <laughs> Remember this. You will lose every battle you don't fight. Every battle you don't show up, show up for, you lose. Because we like to do this. <laughs> because David actually says this in the account. I don't have time to read the whole account tonight. But in the account of, the, of David and Goliath, it says, the battle is not mine. The battle belongs to the Lord. What's funny about that is we quote that so that we can be lazy. Huh? I'm not saying that's everybody. 
But I'm saying that there are some people, and we have used it before, maybe you have at some point in time, where this battle doesn't belong to me, it just belongs to the Lord. But if you see what David does next, he takes a sling and a stone, pow, takes a sword, choppy choppy off his head, right? Be gone <laughs> with his head. He does something behind saying this battle is not mine, it belongs to the Lord. What David was really saying is that, and that is, Victory's already done, bro. Like, this is a fixed fight. It's already over. You've already lost. This battle is not mine. It already belongs to the Lord, and he's already delivered your head into my hands. So you still have to show up to the battle. You still have to show up to the fight. You will lose every battle you don't show up to. You will lose every time you don't fight. Number two, Goliath wanted to look bigger than the plans that God has for you or to appear unconquerable. Goliath is standing on the battlefield yelling about how big he is and how strong he is. This is a posturing. It's called posturing. The giants in the land were just there, but they were big. Listen, the things you need to face are big. I'm not going to lie. There are things in your life that you're going to face that are big. There's things that you're going to face that, that may be challenging, but you always have to remember that it's not unconquerable. Just because it's a big deal doesn't mean it's unconquerable. Now, thanks be unto God who always leads us into triumph, always leads me into victory. It's not unconquerable. God is bigger. God can do it. He, and the enemy is nothing but a deceiver and uses shadows to appear larger than what he actually is. He's, the enemy goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom made of it. Not, not as a lion, like a lion, which means he's not. He's a kitty cat who uses cartoon, like in the cartoon shadows, you know what I'm talking about? The, the shadows, whenever the, the, the light hits the cat just right, and, he, and the hair goes up on the back of his head and he looks like this big monster. Yeah, that's the devil. That's what he does. He tries to use certain things to appear bigger than what he actually is, to appear unconquerable, but he is fully conquerable. Listen to me. If it's not of God, it's not for you. Anytime the enemy is speaking, it is a lie. He's the father of all lies. And if it's not of God, it's not for you. Number three, your Goliath wants to keep you out of your promised land. This is the goals of your Goliath. I promise you, we're not going to end on a low. We're going to end up on a high, okay? Oh, man, Goliath really wants to beat me up and keep me out of things. Yeah, he does. The end, that's the scheme of the enemy, and you can't be ignorant of that. And I'm gonna we're going to talk real quickly at the end how to overcome. But your Goliath wants to keep you out of your promised land. That's your peace, your prosperity, your joy. We like to think about promised land as only prosperity, but it's more than that. It's your peace of mind. It's a healthy, good marriage. It's kids that are serving the Lord. It's families that are prophesying together and, and attending church together. This is the promises of God for you. This is what God wants for you and for your life. And the enemy wants to try to keep you from that. And he tries to use intimidation and fear to keep you where you are and keep you from moving forward. But listen to me, God is your peace. He is your joy. And he promises to provide and bless you. He is your healer. And we have all the promises that are yes and amen. And those things are for you. Amen. amen. Now, coming to a close, stay with me. The first step to overcoming your giants, though, is acknowledging you have giants and what they are. I made this statement at the beginning of the message. Oftentimes we misrecognize our giants. What did I mean by that? I'll tell you in just a second. I'm going to keep you hanging on. But first of all, realize this. Before we even recognize what it is, acknowledgement is not empowerment. Okay? I think oftentimes, 
that we have thought that if I acknowledge something going on, I'm empowering it. That's not true, okay? You have to acknowledge something in order to overcome it. David did not walk and go, hmm, Goliath, I don't see him. If I don't see him, he doesn't see me. I don't know where he is. He had to acknowledge what was going on. As a matter of fact, when he shows up to the camp, he's being the first door dash and bringing his brothers some food. And he he says, hey, I got your food, bros. Like, what's up? And they're like, yeah, we're scared. You know what? There's, you know what? There's envy in your heart, David. That's what his brothers begin to say to him. You're just, you're jealous. Because fear begins to take place in their life. And whenever the giant of fear showed up, it began to spread into other things. But listen, so he had to acknowledge, hey, wait, there's a Goliath out there and we need to overcome it? Acknowledgement's not empowerment. Now, acknowledgement can become empowerment if it begins to become magnification because it will create a manifestation. Because whenever you've been magnified, you begin to speak about it and then it begins to manifest. Now, what are the giants in your life? We think it's easy, but it's not. In order to find a solution, you have to identify the root cause of the problem instead of just the symptoms of the issue. Oftentimes we see symptoms of the issue or symptoms of the giant. We don't actually deal with the giant. The symptom is not the giant though, the giant is creating the symptom. The children of Israel dealt with doubt, unbelief, then words of murmuring and complaining because of why? Giants. So, why were they doubtful? Why were they unbelief? Why were they complaining? Because after, if you read, go back to the children of Israel and their account going to the Canaan, right after they say that and after they give the account of man, we can't go take the land, it's right after that that they begin to blame Moses and go, Moses, why did you bring us all this way just to die? We should have stayed back there. We had food. Because what your Goliath does is he begins to try to get you to recognize other, prob- other people as the problem or other things as the issue and make you misrecognize your giant so you never deal with him. And that's what happens in our life is oftentimes we begin to recognize everything else around us as the giant and as the problem when really we aren't even dealing with the culprit of the issue because we haven't asked why is this? They acknowledged the wrong thing and began to blame Moses. In order to deal with the central problem, we must defeat the giant, which is the root. To do this, they teach this also in psychology, that you ask why until you get to the root. Now, we being Holy Spirit-led people, we can ask why while also praying, Holy Spirit, reveal to me, and he will give you discernment. And you can find what the root problem of your issue is and what that giant is very quickly. So I'll say it like this. You may see anger, okay? You're like, man, my, my giant is anger. I got a real problem with anger. Do you have a problem with anger? Is your giant anger? Or is your problem that you've never forgave somebody who did you wrong 10 years ago? That's your giant. Anger, anger's not your giant. The reason you're an angry person is because you have unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart. And anytime anybody does anything that manifests something that looked like something that took place to you five years ago, you begin to be angry. So your giant's not, you're an angry person. Your giant is you're not a forgiving person. You may see sleepless nights as your giant. But really, as you leave doors of the enemy open left and right in your life. 
You may see dysfunction in your marriage, but the root problem is actually improper relationships outside your marriage. Let me get where you live. Because your giant is not your wife. Your giant is the fact you're talking to another woman. There's your toe. Huh? You got work wife or work husband. That's your giant. Cut that off. Stop it. You may see financial stress. Man, I'm just, man, we're, we're in lack right now. No, you're not a real good steward. And your giant is stewardship. Stop going out to eat all the time. Stop going to Starbucks every day. Start tithing and do what you're supposed to do in accordance to the word of God and then take down your giant that way. You're not in lack. You're just a poor steward. Your giant is stewardship and self-control. And you learn how to have some self-control. Don't be impulsive. You may see discontentment. This is my last one. I'm going to give you real quickly. But possibly... The root is actually envy and jealousy. When that person gets that new car that you really wanted, but you couldn't afford. And now I'm just so discontent with my life. I wanted that car. I wanted that house. I wanted that. I wanted that. I wanted that. And you're like just making life terrible for yourself because you're jealous of other people and can you haven't learned how to be content. And listen, until you learn to be content, you will not walk in the blessing of God. You gotta learn to be content where you're at and then let God bless your socks off and be faithful with what you got. I'm really closing with this, my ninth close. The reason I want you to acknowledge what your giant is, and this takes some Holy Spirit, soul, spirit searching. And there's a great ministry we have in high praise called LRM that helps with this, but maybe this is a little tool to help you even further, or maybe to keep you from having to go through a full LRM experience and save our counselors some time. <laughs> you need to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, Holy Spirit, give me discernment and reveal to me, what is the thing I'm facing? Why do I keep facing this wall? I see anger going on, or I see discontentment going on, but Holy Spirit, what is the actual driving force behind what is going on that I need to take down? Because listen to me, you cannot overcome what you don't acknowledge. You cannot overcome what you don't acknowledge. You can't live as an, as an ostrich with your head in the sand. David couldn't fight Goliath and win the battle without first recognizing there's a giant out there. The outward expression was fear in the camp, but it all came from a giant in the valley. And I want to encourage you as you acknowledge what the giant is this week and that the reason I'm acknowledging it is not because I just want to know what it is. It's because I'm acknowledging it so I can look at it to let it know I'm about to overcome it. That's why you're going to acknowledge it. David acknowledged the fear in the camp while talking to his brothers, but, 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 but then acknowledged the Goliath in the valley. And he said this, he said this to Saul right before he goes out to go get the stones to overcome Goliath. He says this, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. It was after he fully acknowledged everything Goliath was doing. He said, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go fight this Philistine. I gave you all this tonight because I want you to realize once you recognize your giant, that's whenever you are positioned properly to overcome your giant. That's whenever you're positioned properly to overcome. And that's what David did. David cut out some voices 
weaknesses in his life. And he said, you know, Saul, you recognize me as a wimpy person and Goliath as a warrior. And you couldn't see past what you see. You can't see me, right? You can't see past what you see. So I got to shut this voice off right now because God's calling me to move forward. God's calling me to overcome this thing. And so I got to shut that voice off and I got to remember who God is in my life. He delivered me from the paw of the lion. He delivered me from the paw of the bear and God will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. And I got to use what's been tested. The Bible actually says this, that David did not go fighting Saul's armor because it hadn't been tested. And can I tell you, you're anointed of the spirit of God. You have the prophetic word of the Lord within you. You're in a prophetic church. And guess what? The anointing, it's been tested. So it's time to use the anointing against your Goliath and speak to it in faith and overcome and declare that you got to come down in Jesus name. You know what David did next? He created an action plan. Maybe you need to create an action plan. You know what his action plan was? I'm going to go and I'm going to get some stones and I got this sling and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that sling and I'm going to knock him down. You need to create an action plan. Say, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to face this Goliath. I'm going to face this thing. I'm going to come face to face with it, and I'm going to overcome it. And there might be some things. i got to make some adjustments on the way, but no matter what, I'm not stopping until I come out with the W. I'm not stopping until I come out with a victory. I need to create this action plan. And that's that I'm going to come face to face with my Goliath. And I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to look at him square in the eyes and tell him, you come against me with a sword and spear. <laughs> but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty and I'm about to take you down and then deliver the finishing blow. And that's what he did. All because he recognized what the Goliath was. Can I tell you once again, when you properly, I'll let somebody come play. When you properly align yourself and recognize what your Goliath is, you are poised for victory and you are poised to overcome. In Acts, it says this. It talks about how David was favored of God. End with this statement. I'm gonna pray over you and hand it back over to Pastor Dad. It talks about how David was favored of God. Can I tell you that this? Favor is always on the side of God's favored and you are God's favored. You are chosen people, a royal priesthood, called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are favored of the Lord. And if God's favor is on your life, which it is, you will see victory. Let me encourage you this week. Ask Holy Spirit, help me recognize what that giant is. Will you stand to your feet real quickly? I'm going to pray real fast. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, we will be those not just hear the word, but do the word. Even as it talks about in James, where it says a person that hears the word but doesn't do it. It's like somebody who acknowledges themselves in the mirror and doesn't recognize who they are. But Lord, let us be people who hear this word and take it to heart. And Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, we ask now to help us recognize what the giants are in our lives that we need to take down. And Lord, we know that whenever we recognize what it is, we are positioned for victory. We are positioned for overcoming power, that you will give us the power that is needed to overcome because you are the, our great victor. You are the great overcomer and you have given victory into our hands. So now we release the victory in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for everything you've done. We thank you for everything you're doing and everything you're going to do in Jesus' name. If you believe it, will you give God a hand clap and shout amen? Amen today. Hallelujah.
Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.